Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the VCM Quick Strike for Monday, May 23rd, 2022. First article turns towards Conti. Of course, we've talked about Conti a lot the past few weeks. According to bleepingcomputer.com, the notorious Conti ransomware gang has officially shut down their operation with infrastructure taken offline and team leaders told that the brand is no more. This comes direct from Advanced Intel's Yelesi Bogoslavisky. I may have that incorrect. Generally speaking, Conti has disbanded into smaller groups. One of the items I found interesting in this article was that the operation against Costa Rica apparently was less about the ransom and more about the publicity. So interesting to see, as I understand, a lot of times when a ransomware campaign, the life cycle of such rather is it ramps up, it becomes well known, and then once it reaches sort of a critical limit, then it disbands and the next one comes around. So it's not as if the threat has gone away, but this particular, this particular campaign seems to be coming to an end. The second is an interesting development from the Justice Department. They put out last week a news release. Department of Justice announces new policy for charging cases under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Basically, that what this is saying is that if you're conducting good faith security research, that that should be taken into consideration and not be charged. That's always been one of the hurdles to overcome. You want to do proper research, but you're afraid of triggering something illegal that can land you into hot water. So I would think that probably one of the things you'd want to do is before conducting such research that may trigger this to make sure you document, document, and document what and why you're doing. Also in the government space, from GovTech.com, apparently there is a movement for governments to self-insure against cyber attacks and ransomware. Um, The average payout, according to this article, has been roughly about $214,000 per ransomware incident. The article seems to indicate that the rationale behind this is that governments seem to be having a harder time meeting best requirements, best practice requirements for meeting cyber insurance. Uh, The idea being that cyber insurance, as we've talked about before, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the cyber ready product from Crumb Forrester, for example, that, organizations have to meet a certain level of infrastructure and practices in order to be insured. Now, the article seems to indicate that the reason why that they're looking towards self-insurance is that they don't have the resources to necessarily meet all those requirements. I'm a little concerned about that. It would seem to have two issues here. The first one being that there should be emphasis on meeting the best case requirements. Those usually are not a luxury. They are necessities for safe operation. The second is that if you're publicizing that 
you're changing your funding strategy for payments because you're not quite as robust as insurance companies want you to be, would that perhaps then cause the governments to be more of a target? Or perhaps in the flip side, the ransomware criminals realize that cyber insurance companies, once they reach that threshold, they will automatically pay out. Perhaps in this case, by self-insuring, the governments will have a much higher bar for paying out. So this is going to be an interesting thing to watch. And then our last article today comes from helpnetsecurity.com, and it delves into the culture of no, I like to say. The article's title is Why Cybersecurity Can't Just Say No. When, from, from a very high level, when we say no in InfoSec, in other words, we make the choice very binary. Business isn't binary. Business is needing to always find solutions in order to conduct business as efficiently as possible. And I'm sure many of you have heard of the term shadow IT. Certainly that's well known in the security side. So my security listeners know and probably have a little bit of a shudder when they think about shadow IT. If you're in small, mid-sized business, shadow IT is, is essentially if a business unit needs to do something like share large files, but central IT has made the operation too, either too onerous, meaning their central operation, or they've just basically said you cannot share large files. Well, then the business unit, in order to be able to conduct business officially, will find another way. That's why you'll find in a lot of organizations that don't have strong policies in place that they're using outside non-central IT, uh, IT resources such as Dropbox in order to share files with their clients. And then that results obviously in this loss of knowledge and control over your information flow. And one of the sayings in information security is that you cannot protect what you do not know about. And that's certainly a problem that we see a lot in small organizations beginning the process of trying to build their security program. That's what we ask for at first is where is your information and where are the flows? And sometimes the answers to that are very difficult to find. Easy from the IT side, not so easy from the business unit side. And in 30 seconds, I'll come back with a few thoughts on the articles, particularly that and how it relates in the VCSO space. Information security is never binary. It's never a yes or a no. And that's where we run into a lot of problems, as I noted just a couple of moments ago, as far as shadow IT. Now, the root cause of the problem is a little bit deeper. We always talk about that in information security, we want to find the root cause of problems. And why do we want to do that? Because if you find the root cause, you're basically treating the ailment not the symptom. You're not putting a Band-Aid on a problem by saying no, 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 because if you say no, well, the business is going to find a way to do it anyway. I always like to say, too, that information security is risk management. You have to integrate information security with the business unit processes in order for it all to be effective. They can't be separate. They can't be draconian. 
they can't overrule. Any CISO or equivalent who comes into an organization with the attitude that they will implement draconian measures and be authoritative on those sorts of processes will fail because the business processes are going to win out. The business is in business to do business, not to secure their information. Securing information is a subset of running an effective business, not the other way around. So no is bad. I always say, I'm not going to say no. I'm going to say no, not this way. Let's work together to find a way to find the answer to make it work for you. Now, how does this relate to the virtual CISO world? Well, I've said several times on this podcast and will in the future, I've talked about how the industry, unfortunately, has two prongs. And one prong is where particularly like MSPs are offering virtual CISOs who are no more really than an IT security manager or director. In other words, they're focused on the technical controls, but they don't understand risk management. This is why a virtual CISO must be someone who has extensive experience in risk management because that's ultimately what the small and mid-sized business is paying for. They're not paying for your technical acumen. You can get that from other areas. They're paying for your risk management acumen, decision-making, experience, advice, and input so that the business can make risk-informed decisions. And you can't get that from being a network admin or a firewall admin or a system admin. You can only get that through years of experience and honing your craft because that's what security at the executive level is. It is a craft. You can use the medical analogy. Doctors, they don't immediately get their certificate, their degree, and go out and start practicing medicine. They go through an internship period, a residency. And this can be quite some time where they work as a doctor, but side by side by folks that have been doing this for years. And why do they do that? Because it's not just about book knowledge. Medicine, if anything, is completely about risk management. There's never a single solution that can work for everybody because everybody's situation is different. And so it's the same in information security. The easiest, maybe not that's that might not be the right word, an effective method to ensure that you as a small mid-sized business are getting that experience is simply look at the resume, look at the background of the virtual CISO who's being assigned to you. Do they have risk management experience? Have they been a CISO before? Now, I won't say that it's necessary that they have to have been a CISO before. I'm okay with the idea of apprenticeship. So if a virtual CISO firm, for example, brings on somebody in a risk analyst role and then over time transitions them to a virtual CISO role, well, that's been an apprenticeship. That works. But to bring somebody in who has never done this risk management experience before is a selling the business a, a bag of goods, which is not true. We're, we're, not, we're not providing for the business, the service for which they contract for. Information security is never about saying no. It is about risk management. And that's it for the, this day. Um, tomorrow, we've got a great episode dropping with Kyle Cravens. He is an 
IT information security recruiter. He's got some good tips and insights for folks that are looking to find their next position. Some really great stuff. Uh, he actually surprised me on one question that I that I asked with regards to platform on the uh, internet, platform being uh, presence on LinkedIn and so forth. We also had a wonderful discussion about faith, uh, as you are possibly aware that faith is a large component of what I do and how I do it and why I do it. So hope you'll listen in tomorrow. And until then, stay secure.